Welcome to the James Quantel Show, the space where I interview the world's experts and share how you can live your life to the fullest, be present and connect deeply with others, and build the life of your dreams. On today's episode, I had a chance to chat with Rich Christensen, who has founded or co-founded 51 businesses and authored The Zigzag Principle, a Wall Street Journal and USA Today national best-selling book, and co-authored the book Bootstrap Business. He recently released a program on building family legacies. Together with his family, Rich loves to explore and spelunk slot canyons and crest the summits of high mountain peaks. He has stared up the throat of Mount Everest three times, summited Mount Kilimanjaro with his wife and sons. He enjoys frisbee golf, longboarding, and zipping down the ski slopes like a teenager. He's a passionate golfer and loves fast, zippy cars that are technology-loaded. Rich and I discussed on this episode how to build a dynastic family and the concept of seven-generation families, which is looking and planning three generations back and three generations forward. We mapped out how you can create core family values, a family logo, a mascot, mission statement, constitution, and much, much more. Rich also shared about the importance of celebrating milestones in our children's lives, such as at the ages of 8, 12, 14, 16, and 18. If after listening to this episode, you want to learn more about the Legato Family Program, head over to legatofamily.com. That's L-E-G-A-D-O family.com and use the code James to receive 20% off anything you purchase. Please sit back and enjoy this inspiring conversation. What we were talking about before we started hitting record is these common stories in our society today of people who have fame or they have wealth or athletic success. And within one generation or two generations, all of that hard work and effort that they put forth is gone. They didn't create a legacy that lasted very long. And it's tragic because we need these strong families that can really build us up and create an amazing future for us. And I know that you've figured out at least uh, a lot of the the secrets and the blueprint and the plan to kind of solve that. You know, James, really appreciate having me on the show. And and, and indeed, this is the, the essence of my life work. Uh, I, I'm kind of known in the entrepreneurial space for lean startup, but this has been the very precipice of what I focused on. And I've given a lot of thought to this and have a lot of texture. And I really think that there's several key components in the setup of this. The first is, is in the Industrial Revolution, we lost a lot of the ancient wisdom. And some of the models that did work in Holden. Secondly, it was a new problem. I mean, what you'd pass on to your kids in olden days was a trade and traditions and rites of passage. And excess of funds is barely a new common thing. I think also from a a generational standpoint, it's so interesting the Constitution of the United States. It it was taken from the Eroqui Nation. And much of the life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, but two key things were left out of that. The first is, is seven generation planning, looking three generations back, looking three generations forward when any decision is made. And if we did that, think of how many problems we would have solved. The other key thing left out was the role of women. And so we've got very out of balance with men and women. You do hear uh, rags to riches in three generations, and I see it. I live it day by day by day watching individual. And what's happened is we've created this, this terrible cycle that's out of balance, where we burn super hot, get entrepreneurial, sleep underneath our desk, get a business started, out of balance, go into balance for a little period of time, start generating wealth, start living a good life, but then out of balance in value creation and drop into a death cavity where we stop producing value, we stop, uh, we stop teaching our children uh, to contribute meaningfully, oftentimes addiction occurs, and then it requires the generations to, to climb back out of that. And I think a lot of my work has been tipping that over. So we're living health in balance, wealth in balance, our family in balance, which is where we need to start, and then living our, uh, our, our business to fuel it so we have the life experiences without actually uh, just dropping into the hellhole. It's so hard. I'm an entrepreneur. I have three businesses. It's hard to not show up and just want to work, 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 work and focus on these other areas of life that are so important that you teach. And it's like, oh, in 20 years, once the business is on, you know, golden and money's taken care of, then I'll take care of, of my family. But if you wait that long, you're too late already, aren't you? Well, you know, you can always recover. I never say it's too late. 
but it, it's certainly a lot easier. It's the hard, easy versus easy, hard. You can do it easy now, and then it becomes very hard later. And I see so many people following that. And quite frankly, every bit of your joy in life comes out of, number one, having your health, number two, your trust relationships, and most importantly, your family. And so you put that in and you just get this joyful, amazing, fluid life. And I mean, our teenagers, they were so much freaking blast. There's no one in the world. I still, my son's come and kiss me on the forehead. And my daughter-in-law's, I have one little that squeezes me until it's almost uncomfortable. That's joy. That's meaningful. You know, on the other hand, just big, oh, we hear the nightmares of so many parents, particularly with teens. And it's like, that can actually be avoided if you put the framework down. And if you get the framework properly, James. So my wife and I are newlyweds. We've been married two years and our plan is to have children. And we're doing this foundational work right now. We're going through your book, your program. We're writing mission statements, coming up with our values and figuring all this out right now before we bring kids into this world, but not everyone is going to be in the scenario that we're in. They may have kids at home already who are a little bit older. How do they get started? Like, where do they begin if, they, if this is all a whole new concept for them? Well, I think wherever you start, it's better to start than just avoid it. And I'd love to back out and tell the little story a little bit uh, of, you know, how this all started. But uh, it's one of my funnest events ever that I did was uh, an older gentleman. I, he was in his early 80s. He had, uh, very successful financially, but he just ravaged it. He'd just blown it. And so he found out the content and he mandated like all three or four of his blended families come together and boy, they came stiff and angry. You know, they were not having the only reason is they knew there was inheritance on the line. And we got to the end of that. They were laughing and singing and dancing and healed so many wounds. So it doesn't matter where you're at. Obviously, you know, you starting where you're at man, getting your values in alignment with your wife now. I mean, just like a rocket ship will be, and it doesn't mean there's not going to be the ups and downs and the challenges, but man, starting the earlier you can start, particularly with young kids, it's such a, a, a perfect fun spot that you'll just, it, it'll just turn into this delightful fun game rather than this reactive problem. James, would it be okay if I just backed up quickly and kind of tell how this all started? I'm familiar with it. So I, I was doing an injustice to the listeners, but we should back up and tell the origin of story of this and exactly what your program does. How this came to pass is early in my career, I was very blessed to get an amazing mantra and get launched very young. And uh, about five years into our marriage, it became very evident to my wife and I that we were going to have some pretty good success. And it terrified us. It terrified us because everyone that we saw around us that had either wealth or fame had just obliterated their family. And even though on the front, it may look good, man, the kids were addicted to drugs. They were it was just a hot mess. I mean, I think many of you can relate to that. And so we did not want to screw our kids up. Um, at that point in my career, I was earning more than my father and my father-in-law combined. And uh, so our solution was to go move to a very poor neighborhood and never tell our children and uh, just, you know, have them grow up very non-entitled. And I had a friend came about two years to me and says, Rich, this is the stupidest plan I've ever seen in my entire life. Because if you pull this off, which you're not going to pull it off, but if you pull it off, then what happens when you die and your kids are like 40, 45, and they have this, these resources and this money, if you don't screw them up, which you will, then you'll screw your grandkids up. It so put me on the floor that I went looking for a model. I mean, I looked high and low and researched and up and down, and I could not find a model. I found all these financial planners and how to build a trust in a state and how to, you know, secure your money and all this stuff, but nothing that told me how to, to raise a non-entitled um, and uh, responsible family. So true to every entrepreneur, my wife and I created our own model. Bit by bit, we, we uh, brokered it on. It started in all honesty with the doctrine leg of this. Uh, Stephen Covey was my, uh, one of my primary life mentors, so got some great counsel from him. But we began deploying this model and promptly proceeded to tell no one. We, we says, well, and when people start asking, it's like, yeah, I don't know if this is going to work or not. And then bit by bit, it just was miraculous what happened. Just amazing what happened. And and the excelled level of, of, I have five sons and a little adopted Sherpa daughter, and even the neighborhood kids were engaging, and it just became miraculous. So this legato content we're talking about is actually the model that some 30 years ago I put in foundation and form with my family and how we've deployed for our family. 
And uh, a couple of years ago, I had a very strong, strong uh, guidance that this needed to now come forward. So with confidence, the Legato family framework is now what I think we're going to be sharing today. What does Legato mean? Harmony. Harmony and balance and in sync is the, the, the definition of legato. That makes a lot of sense. And then as you were the, the subject number one for this plan, how did you get to the point where you felt it was time to share it? How did you know that, hey, this is going to work? Well, it's a very personal experience. Uh, I have a dear friend that's a, a national thought leader that tricked me a little bit and, and set up for me. He kept having me show up. Hey, Rich, come up and chat next thing. I know I'm teaching it to all his groups. And so thank you very much, Garrett. <laughs> but then uh, also uh, booked me for like gathering the Titans and I kind of went through the model and you, you would have thought it was sliced bread. But the real impact of it came is, is I had a really, I just a profound experience. I don't know how to describe it where I just, I, I actually, uh, this kind of a deeply personal experience where I was basically told much to my kicking and screaming that this had to be brought forward to help stabilize the family. The root of all of our challenges right now, we can fix the ancillary issues, but if we pick the core of the tribe of the unit of the family and get stability there, then many of the social problems will be resolved. Many of the political divisions will be resolved and healing will occur. And so I, I fundamentally am just on a, a hellbend right now uh, to help support and offer any contribution I can to help heal, bend, and uh, mend and provide resources to families and tribes. Is it for all families or is it only for families that are the elite and successful and entrepreneurial? It, absolutely not. It is for all families in any circumstance. The biggest successes and the most delight that I've had have been non-traditional families. Can you talk about one? Like a like a, not the names, but I'm just curious because I think that would be really inspiring. Um, well, divorced uh, several divorced families that came together and got common on their values and clarity, and there was some really big tension on that. I'd mentioned this gentleman. That was probably the biggest reward I had that he brought his three or four families all together. And by the time they got done with their, there was one kid that wouldn't show up one young man. He was just so pissed off that he, he refused to show up. And so in this, uh, in the visual or the logo part, all the other siblings put him as this like cool surfer dirt riding the cloud on, on the waves. They crossed the families over in waves and instantly he, he was seen. And so that, that's a really a fun story. I mean, Oh, amazing stories. There was one woman that came, very, very high profile attorney, realized her life was not happy. She actually way pulled back, quit her job, um, had the best year of their life and tragically one year later was killed in a car accident. And their logo was uh, this rainbow over top of little turtles. And uh, the son and the father went to uh, the ocean, their favorite place that was signified over the logo. And I kid you not, I swear not, that this crossed rainbow happened right as they were there swimming with the turtles. He sent me the pictures. It was just unbelievable. So all these fun stories of many, many, uh, you know, individuals that's dramatically impacted their life. I know we're talking hyperbole now, and at some point I want to nail the content, but uh, it, it really is. It's the most impactful thing I've done. Most people know me for my work in the thought leadership of lean startup and entrepreneurship and the businesses I've ran and created. But quite frankly, th this is the jam. This is the real deal. Well, I want to chat about some of the framework, and I especially really want to talk as we go through. We got to make sure we don't lose time for this, but to talk about um, giving as a family and also mile, important milestones and setting up things for the kids to look forward to as they're getting older, because I think that was so cool. Beautiful. Maybe what I could do, James, if you'd just let me rant, uh, I'm not exactly sure how much time we have, but maybe I could just take 10 minutes and just fly, do a flyby of what the framework is, and then you could just uh, direct me anywhere you want me to go on a more in-depth level. I think that would be great, and I think it's it's great to start at the beginning. And so someone can listen to this. I think it would be really neat if you're listening to this at home that you could start immediately while you're listening to this, get some of the ideas of where you can go and then get this program and kind of finish connecting the dots and really start to live it. 
Yeah, we really made the program so it was accessible to everyone. We have, uh, you know, some online events, but there's actually an online program and it's so, it's so inexpensive. It's just like anyone can really get access to this if, if you're so inclined to it. And I just tell you, it would bless your family immensely. So uh, the, the starting platform that you have to figure out to begin with, and this takes just a little bit of work and we do it really a fun way through all these fun exercises, but it's what's your values. Have you and your significant other got really clear on what you stand for and what your values are. You know what you are in agreement of what you're going for. I'd mentioned earlier, non-entitlement was one of the key of our family. Love was one of them. To have faith, to have impact is a key one. So typically, I really like to start with a six minimum, 10 to 12 really core shared values that you're shooting for. If you do not know what your values are, how the heck do you know what you're going for? And most people don't think to do this. Uh, we do it with sports teams. We do it in government. We do it. You do it in your business. You get clear on your values and your goals and objectives, but you don't think to do it in your family. Equal to this platform of values, and that's the baseline, because if you know that, all these others support uh, and come back into it, um, then... Once you understand that, you know how to build on top of everything. And most people think it's just a matter of what values you select, but equally, if not important, is what you throw away. So many of the younger generation are just say, this isn't working. This is a bunch of hogwash. And the reality is, is there is some of that. But to throw like 10, 15,000 years of learned wisdom and throw it into the garbage can, that's really a stupid idea. Jump right into the fire. So the key question is, is what were the values that were in your family that need to be very strategically and surgically removed? In my family, guilt and shame and scarcity were used in abundance as well as my wife's. So we very surgically and deliberately chose to remove guilt and shame as the motivators. So platform of values that you choose and select on and build upon, making sure you're in dead unity with your significant other or tribe and then throw away the ones that don't work. We spent, and before we go to the next part of this, we spent a lot of time on these values. We geeked out. We took the list that you provided of, I think there was maybe a couple hundred, and we started, we independently circled, like what do you think we actually are and what are some of the ones we want to have define us? And we started circling them. Then we came together and we shared and where there was common alignment, I'm like, okay, this is going on this short list. And then where I had one that she didn't have, I would argue why I felt that was important or what in my family's DNA made that important. And then she would do the same thing. And then when we were all said and done, it was so much fun. We had seven values written down and they're everywhere in our life. And then we started going, well, what are some of the sayings? Like, I, I call it kind of like a motto now. We created like a little motto for each of these, like for love. One of our family uh, values is now love. And I heard someone extremely wise say that their kid got lost in a grocery store once and went up to an adult and they said, I'm lost. My name's so-and-so and I'm important because I belong to a family that loves me. And that was one of their values. And they said it over and over and over again. So we put that down as our love, one of our love values and like a motto. But we have that for all of them. And it's already, we've done this six months ago. It's already changed us. It's like, it's just, I cannot talk about how amazing it is. Well, wait until you have your kids and watch what it does for them and how it transforms. But yeah, even uh, particularly couples, you get rooted on what you're standing for. So many couples want to go have a tug of war over ancillary. Don't do that. Go to the ones that are common and you're uh, typically from that list. And then I, uh, one of the exercises is like we have them go look, okay, what did your ancestors value? And then another one is, is look forward uh, uh, 10 years. And if you could give, or not 10 years, but like three generations, if you give your great, great grandchild these are the things that were really vital for you to know. What would those be? And you, then you blend them, and then you just get really common on the set. And people say, well, we have a disagreement on it. And it's like, great, leave it off. <laughs> because even getting to seven, eight, or nine you agree at, you're ahead of like 99.99999% of anyone. So this concept of getting rooted on values, that's kind of a hard work. But once you have that and are clear on that, you have a really firm foundation to build on. I noticed that. 
a lot of the values were synonyms of each other. We had it down, she had it one way and I had it another, but we were really saying the same thing with just different words. Yep, that's right. And in that situation, you get to go to the sponsoring value is what sponsors what, and and you always root back to what the sponsoring value is. And it's really fun. It, it, I'm so delighted you were able to go through that and have that experience uh, because it really does work. And I mean, if you stopped even at that exercise, you'd be just miles ahead of what anyone's considered. But we don't stop there because these others like add rocket fuel to it. <laughs> and let's go through them. But I, I want to tell one more quick story. And it, it it's so common. You see a dad and uh, a kid's like trying to jump into a pool or off a rock or off a bench. And they're like, just do it. Don't be afraid. Just do it. Don't be afraid. And I was thinking, how much more meaningful would it be? You know, hey, little son, like, um, our family value of growth, we're courageous. We face our fears. I know you're afraid to jump into this pool right now, but you're a Quandall and this is what we do. And like, could you, I can just imagine how powerful that could be. Well, the great thing is you've already imagined it. You have already set the value. And so you'll be able to create the sponsoring event that will give those values so deeply embedded that it's already, I mean, nine tenths of it's just imagining and putting it there. And we just don't think to even do that basic first step in our families. So just hats tip to you and your, your sweetheart for going through that exercise. So what next? That's kind of, we're still in that area, but the next, next one is where our dear friend Ben Greenfield just went nuts over and it's the symbology. It, we as humans, we cannot help but feel part of the tribe. It's so deeply innate in us that we need it as much as we need water and nourishment, maybe even more than love to, to, to actually identify with the tribe. And the way we do that is the symbols. Let me prove that point to you. Uh, you show up to your favorite college football team and wear the opposing team's color and what's going to happen to you. You're going to have a tough day. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have a long, long afternoon in the ballpark. <laughs> um, gangs do it, the Bloods and the Crips. So I ask you, what's your color? What's each of your children's color? What's your spirit animal? What's the family mascot? Do you have a family logo? Pop this one up really quickly. I guess we're not on it, but uh, this is podcast or you got video too? Well, we've got both. Yeah. And that's, that's beautiful. That's Great. Really well, this cool. is our family symbol and logo that we put into many places years ago. And in the center is my wife in white surrounded. I surround her in black protect and, and recognize her as the source of her life and, and, uh, our family. And honoring her. And then each of my sons picked their colors, uh, Timmy in yellow, uh, Johnny in green, uh, Alex in light blue, Nathan in dark blue, and Matthew in red. They each picked their color, but all center focused and looking inward, not outward, always having each other's back. And then when they get married, their little black dot behind them lights up white and they protect and provide and provide safe space for their wife. And then the grandkids start coming in. Every one of my grandkids the first thing they want to do is go touch where their symbol is and identify where the others are. It gives a sense of belonging and unity. You don't go to family events without wearing that family logo and everybody, it matters. We have this on the big family crest. Ben, ben did just a beautiful one. You've seen it in his home. And what does that mean? Uh, instantly the values are understood, but it's expressed and manifest. So uh, most people do a, a company logo. We pledge allegiance to the flag and salute the flag. We have the Statue of Liberty. We have our favorite basketball team, but we don't think to put a logo in symbology behind the very most important unit there is, and that's our family. So you've got to create and an, this work system that we put together uh, walks you through the methodology to pick your color. Everybody wants to be seen. And so what is your color? What is your spirit animal? What is your shadow self animal? Uh, how are you showing up that way? And that symbology creates this strong, tight knit, unified tribe. The reality is this. Most people are substituting their families for sports teams or some are, are a rock star or a brand. And it's really a poor, cheap substitute. I would argue that if most people had a clue the brands they were wearing, they would vomit because the values of these companies don't stand for what they stand for even a little bit. So really getting conscious on your branding, your symbology, and your colors is the first pillar that sits on top of the 
the values. You really speak in my language because I've been starting businesses since I was a kid. And the first thing I would do before I would do anything, before I'd even get a customer, before I'd even get a sale, I would, what's the name of my company going to be? And what's our colors? And what's our logo going to be? And what are we going to tell people we stand for? And all of that. And for some reason, as a family, that's not like an intuitive thing to do. Nobody does this. It's crazy. We do it for our businesses. We do it for the university. Go T-Birds, Red, you know, but we, we don't do it for our families. And it's just insane. So once you have the values understood, you can plant and you've seen Ben's uh, crest, but man, the ultimate manifestation is these amazing crests or rings and stuff like that that we can build. And boy, it matters. It bonds your family deeply together to know that you belong. Going back through history, I've been in a lot of the, the homes built in the early 1900s, like the Biltmore and Asheville of the Vanderbilt family and some of these other mansions and castles around the world. And they did have these types of logos and things hundreds of years ago, didn't they? They did. The, the Scottish in their plaid kilts, everybody knew what tribe they came from. We still have it. It's called the Bloods and the Crips. It's just not representing your values. It's, it's, they, that's exactly what they're doing, and it's why this lost art is so deeply needed. Do you know where it went away? Industrial Revolution. I think it was when I first started talking at what point we kind of moved out of that home and fathers uh, and mothers weren't as present in the home. And so restoring that lost art, it just kind of somehow dissipated. So I think that that's when it, it uh, eked out. Yeah. I. This is an area, a, as going through the program, I was like, oh, maybe we'll just skip this part. I kind of was like, oh, maybe, maybe that part's not for us. But hearing you and, and thinking about the symbolism through the Bible and symbolism through sports teams and symbolism in businesses and gangs and cults, and you're right. This is, it, it is an ability it's, to belong. It's vital because it identifies you. It, it identifies you're part of the tribe, and everybody wants to feel involved or included. And so you, you really, I mean, the values is the critical part, but if you really want to unify the family, then go through this mascot color identification. It really is powerful. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna revisit that. I think it'd be important because I. Oh, it's a blast! I love the idea of um, you know the my last name's a Q. It's not very common. Qs can it can be through it some way, and I'm sure there's a way I can make it my own and and really love it and enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, I think you and your wife will deeply bond on it and really enjoy it. Yep. So what happens next? So you've got your values and your 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 colors and mascot and, and logo. Values, symbols, the next one is the doctrine. Uh, you intonated earlier with the values, then you take and you put hang tags on them. Have you thought to do mantras? Does your family have a family song? Uh, do you have slogans? And then uh, the ultimate manifestation that you hang in your home is your family mission statement or your family we believe statements and just making present and making public those exposed values in the articulation uh, instantly the enforcement of how the conduct is is set without having to have a whole bunch of changing of oh, slapping down rules i mean we just didn't have to have a lot of discipline and our kids internally you know consumed the values i'll never forget uh, our third son is this big, strong, powerful football playing, just raw, uh, dogged kid. And, and uh, my fourth son is this kind of squirrely, very fun, bright yellow boy, about half his size. And uh, one day they were getting into this really contentious argument. And Timmy had founded this thing called the Froggy Club. And uh, he's in junior high and they were bringing their little frogs to school with them and they'd learn. And then the little frogs would talk. And my son, Nathan, saying, you can't do that. You're going to get pantsed. The kids are going to put you in a locker. It's, who's, who's doing that? That's the stupidest thing. You're just going to get bullied. That's the stupidest thing. And Timmy would escalate, escalate. And I'm thinking, I may have to interfere here. And he charges out, pop, 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 walks out, goes and grabs the family mission statement off the wall, comes back to his brother, who's like 190 pounds on steroids. And he's a snot-nosed 90 pounds on a wet day and, and yells at him, not yells, but firmly says, Christians can support each other in the righteous aspirations of their lives. Ha! 
stomps back out, hangs the uh, the mission statement on the wall crookedly and walks off. And that's the point I realized how deeply penetrated the doctrine had become. And even though it wasn't preached, it was understood what the rules of engagement were. And we did this very, very young with our families. And quite frankly, we just didn't have to have a lot of rules. It just self-moderated. Ask me how many kids I ever had to get off about after homework. I mean, just, it just, the basis was in place of understanding the higher principles that we weren't always having to ride the kids. So the second key pillar on top of this values platform is that of doctrine and articulating what the family invitation and basically what the rules of engagement are for the values. And again, the bloods do it. It's just, you probably don't want your kids or M13. You want your kid running out and killing someone when they're 13 years old to live the doctrine. You don't want your kids. Most of you <laughs> like a lot of Nike's doctrine or, you know, the other doctrine out there that's associated with, with their values and symbols. So get your doctrine really clear. So we are desiring this at a deep level because people are following these social media, YouTube, TikTok people with an unbelievable amount of vigor. And, and where there's a point where they're saying, oh, parents, you don't even know. Like, look what this person's saying. Like, this is who I trust. And so it's, it's, it's there. My concern is how do you make sure you get the doctrine and the mission and all of that right. Like, can it change? Can it evolve? Can it grow? Oh, of course it can. It's a living, viable document. And we haven't taught the fifth leg. We got to spend a few minutes there at the end. But uh, the family constitution, because I'm very confident that this will carry forward now generation upon generation. I'm, I'm more confident now in my great-great-grandkids than I am my grandkids. Because this foundation is going to carry them forward. And so, yes, it can. It can carry forward and it has to be able to evolve as times evolve. And any values that I had a little wrong, it needs to adjust, but at least the core basis of what has served us well with the template is now in place. And your kids, when, when they're, you know, raising a family and they, they're part of the Christensen family, but then now they only have their own unit. Are they able to make their own versions of this within their own families too? Absolutely. And, and uh, that, that actually is part of the way we're using you know, our wealth because my kids won't get an inheritance. We're kind of jumping to the last one, but uh, carrying forward the logo symbology for now, at least this generation will carry this logo and we'll always keep that updated in the cabin, in the legacy cabin. But at appropriate time, the kids will be able to take and carry their symbology forward and, and it serves them appropriately. Because as they as they marry and have kids and and those new families are integrated with their family, but the daughter-in-laws love it more than anyone because they're part and they're identified. And one of the key things we haven't got to the the latter part, so I feel like I'm jumping around a little bit. But one of the most beautiful things is when daughter-in-laws are brought into the family, uh, we give them a family oath. That's right, and that that's the third one's actually traditions, getting very precise, understood traditions, because we've got to have return and report kind of cadences. We just live for it, family dinners, uh, uh, regular family dinners, fa family activities, and then special, special events. And most people get that all wrong because they, well, like Thanksgiving, they get together, everyone gets drunk and has a big brawl, and then they do it again the following year. That's not what we're going for. So once you're clear on the values, you can very deliberately set these traditions. One of the beautiful traditions we do is when a daughter-in-law comes to place, I get a one in a kind of beautiful piece of jewelry with their portion uh, of the logo. Administer to them the family oath underneath the family crest and then formally welcome them into the family with a big, huge meal at our legacy cabin. And you know what that means to them, bonded. And, and uh, there you go, your values, symbols, doctrine, and a, a deep, deep tradition. So getting really deliberate on the traditions that you embed in your family and the crazier, the better, the, the crazier, the better. There's two parts tradition. One is the cadences. And then the other one is the really special events like the bar mitzvahs for one culture or the Sinkatera. Uh, every time we go to the cabin, it's written the bylaws that if you don't sing the, well, my kids would not let you stay there if you don't sing the Lord's been good to me as the sunsets. So embedding these super cool little traditions then deeply bonds the family together. Values create the rules, 
or the, the, the basis, symbols bond together, the doctrine tells the rule of engagement, and then the deep, deep bonding event is these traditions, these cadences of tradition that you put in place. And are these, when you say holidays or rituals, are a lot of them the typical American family holidays, or are they new inventions that you've kind of came up with in your own families? We've got crazy with them. We've, we've got crazy and had a blast with them. And it's a combination of both. Uh, let me, you know, point uh, an example out. This is, a, I dare you to change great Aunt Mabel's god-awful cranberry recipe at Thanksgiving and try changing the start time and watch your family rebel. Why? Tradition, tradition. So build on the ones you're already doing. One family that I just worked with, uh, they actually celebrate like a Danish. So they they do Christmas in a little different order. And then they have this Danish dumpling soup on the night. And then they light candles on the tree. Uh, Samoan family I worked with, they actually paddle a canoe across the shark infested channel uh, with their kids when they turn a certain age and they go visit the the place where their grandfather survived the cannibals wow. that's a tradition that they're not soon going to forget and then there's stories that resolve with that so i think uh really deliberate on the traditions and again making sure we don't restore to values that are not serving us well so yeah so i think to hammer that point through if there's something that you've been doing for a long time that is not serving your your family values you don't have to keep doing it forever just because you always have well, and you also can say, hey, that's an ancillary one we're not going for anymore because a lot of times family get together and uh, you, you've probably learned already, you bring your own set of traditions and some don't line up with the values and some do. And so it's okay. You don't have to bolt on bigger and better all the time. You can resolve really carefully and create your own. What's serving the platform of the values that we're going for? So it actually gives you permission and a, and a template, if you will, to actually dismiss the stuff that just isn't really going to serve you and your family well. If it's just a waste of time and it's just a big momentum, I love to talk about momentum versus motion. If it's a big story, oh, 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 just a big motion thing, but nothing, no fruit comes out of it, then stop doing it. And you'll get clear on that once you have the values identified. When you're a young family like mine and um, parents are still around and siblings, how do you like coach people to bring them in on this? Do you encourage them to get involved in this or do you, would you say, Hey, James, you should kind of do this for your, your family. I, that you're I would in. do it for you and your wife. And then your example, they're going to say, what the heck is this? Wow. It's the symbol. And then a lot of times it does bleed uh, fa uh, rather than, you know, getting on your soapbox and going, ah, oh, they'll see it and they'll understand it. And you can bring it in carefully as you show symbology and, and they'll likely want to do it. But boy, you, uh, my experience is, is starting with your core family units, the, the place to start in the jam. I am in sort of a unique and cool situation because I am the last Quandall male. And so uh, the name, Quandall name, lives or dies with my wife and I, in a way, because um, my my sisters, I, all my cousins on the Quandall side and my sisters, I mean, they're all women. And so they've all married into new families. Well, that's beautiful and spectacular. And I'll tell you, as you come up with your template and show that, just like our dear joint friend, you went there and saw it. And it's like, you can't help yourself now. As a matter of fact, I'm shocked that you aren't all hopped up about having a, a crest after that. I was I, I was thinking a lot more when I saw flags waving on the porch and coffee mugs and shirts and hats. I was like, okay, this is that's pretty neat. Why am I wearing a hat for this other thing when I could wear my hat? Well, yeah, that's exactly right. Why would you? I stop branding other people's junk if I don't believe, believe in their values anymore. I know it's an eccentric old man thing to do. But if you if you knew half of the brands you were wearing for and researched their values, you'd vomit. And why not? And then the big result is, is, is you're on the front end of that. But look at Reverend Tarrant. Look at their eyes. Look at what they're producing and what, that, what it means to them. And that bonding is great for us. I mean, it's rock star for us. But then you put it on a powder keg because they're, they're going to find it. That's the thing I tell everyone and really want to emphasize that if you don't provide this structure, they'll find it. We as humans have got to have a, a tribe, a community, a doctrine and governing rules. And it's like you don't want uh, 
fans only driving it. <laughs> you don't want TikTok driving it. I mean, those those individuals are so dorked up that most of them are, ah, they're seeking it and they're faking it. So provide the template and feed real meat rather than whipped cream and just nine tenths of your problems will go away. I liked in your program how you started the way you did. And I looked at the end of, of where we were headed. I always have to know where I'm headed. And you ended with trusts and wills and the financial pieces. And you started with the things we neglect. I feel like we all would love to talk about those instruments and neglect the values and the mottos and the colors. And I love how you flipped it on its head. How do you even do it? How do you build a will, a trust, a constitution? How do you put up a living family organization if you don't know what you're going for? You're guaranteed to blow your family up. Uh, I, I, we've got one critical leg I want to make sure we hit before our time elapses, but I would really encourage you to get my dear friend Scott Ford on that talks about way to wealth, family constitution, and let him cover that fifth leg. Because once you have these other in place, he, he can just in just easy breezy, open all the way, uh, provide the legal structures and how you implement the family constitution. So this thing endures once you have your values. But the reality is, it's why everyone's always changing and feels so unsettled is that and if you don't do this prep work, it's, it's just like building your, your house on Newport Beach out in the middle of the ocean. It's going to wash away just like that quickly. Yeah. And do you know, I, th I think I like I think about about investing, and if you were investing for two hundred years from now, it'd be so easy to know what companies you should invest in. But we're always trying to invest for like this year and two years from now. If you understand your values, then you're investing a lot different. And back to the concept of seven generation planning and not investing in dark things. Dark money is what drops that in. Yeah. James, could I quickly hit that fourth pillar? Because I, I want to make sure we hit that one before we, we wrap up. But this fourth one is a very unique thing that I did restore that just puts epoxy cement uh, on the entire thing. And uh, that is, have you thought to do rites of passage with your children? As I did the research, I discovered eight, 12, 14, 16, 18, and then young adulthood are the critical, critical ages. And so uh, at the risk of being laborious, uh, probably best thing is to share what I did with my family. Would that be okay? I would love to hear more about that. That's something that, that super excites me. I, I love that. Eight years old, eight is great date. Every single one of my ki uh, kids would go on their first date with my wife and I alone. They got to pick dinner. We go to some terrible offer dinner place they picked and then sit down and open the dialogue on drugs, on sex on uh, bullying and all the really hot topics and begin talking very openly about it at a very young age and never close the dialogue. Eight is when the synapse starts closing on the top and kids start self-moderating and thinking. Most people are waiting till 11, 12, 13, it's too late, eight years old. 12 years old, I would take each one of my sons on a non-entitlement trip. We would go for three weeks to a a third world country. We'd go climb the Great Wall of China or go uh, to the Taj Mahal, ride camels or go to the Pokemon center of the world and have a grand bonding adventure. The second week we would go into Mother Teresa orphanage or the Nepal orphanage where the little lost girls are brought that were saved from either sexual slavery or being killed for their, their organs to be harvested and hold and touch humanity on a very intimate deep level, seeing the plight of most humanity. The third week on the trip back, we'd come back very slowly and talk, what does it mean to be a Christensen man? And for us, tied to our values, it's protect, provide, provide safe white space for women to, uh, to create and be an honorable man and then fix a lot of stuff. So at that point, my 12-year-old sons all knew what it be, meant to be a man. So that was the 12-year-old trip. No entitlement at all after that. Uh, 14 years old, each of my sons, we would put them on a major world mountain peak. We've had three stare up the throat of Mount Everest from 19,000 feet. We've climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. We've looked down on Machu Picchu from Huayna Picchu. And the purpose of that trip is to do hard things and do it privately. My worst nightmare would be to have my sons win the winning uh, touchdown, get carried off their crowds on the shoulder, and that be the high point of their life. It's about internal strength and private victories and doing it privately. 
So they'd ball themselves to the top of a 19,000 mountain peak and come down man knowing they could do hard things with grit and determination. And you did that with them? Every one of them. My wife and I, I would do the 12-year-old. My wife and I together would take them on to a major world mountain peak to teach that lesson. 16 years old, my kids would shake my hand and agree they'll never again ask for anything. They'll be responsible for paying their own college, their own mission, uh, the car when they get back in their family and our pay for the family vacations. I would then help them build a business. Each one of my sons built a million dollar business when they were in high school and uh, not only funded themselves, but many of their friends. When they turn 18, cut the head off of the business because uh, I don't want them under my dependency. Give all the residual back to the charity that they did when they were 12 years older of their choice. And then 18 years old, the hardest of all is go off and serve humanity deeply for two years and live very humbly and just serve humanity on a deep, deep level, learning another language. When they get back uh, at 20, they're their own men. And they're not 20. They're more like 40, 45. Uh, my, my sons, and I know every father feels that way, but they've already lapped me. My second son's already sold a second business. My oldest son's the chief technology officer of a billion-dollar company. It's just They've just done remarkable, mind-blowing things. I have zero concern that my sons will ever live in my basement becoming serial killers. They've launched, and they're self-regulating and monitoring and just, just performing amazing. And that was based on these rites of passage, cementing the values, the symbols, the doctrine, the traditions. And then it's just like pouring permanent epoxy on the values at that age. What was the, the charity at 12? You, you didn't mention that in, in the 12 years old. Well, you said you, kinda, you gave the, the, the proceeds from the business away to the charity from 12. What did that mean? It would be like the Mother Teresa Orphanage. Or a lot of them wanted to go to Nepal, and there's these beautiful little girls that they rescue. The dowry brings, it's like $100,000, 100,000 little girls a year are rescued. And many of the sex workers in China and India are those little dowry girls. And most of the organs that are being used in India and Nepal are those little heart, those little, they kill the little girls and take their organs. And so uh, going and holding in touch and serving that humanity. And so it gives my sons, you know, a deep, deep, intimate connection to the plight of humanity and having impact at a young age. So that's where they would put their money. They would get to pick where they direct the money. The reason that we did that, was so why would you ever do that? Well, first of all, I want every son to kill me. I just want to in a basketball game because I don't want them with the purview of me. Dad helped me build the business and hang on to that. And second of all, it does create a lot of problems. Uh, didn't for my sons, but many of their friends, uh, it's a whole new podcast. Uh, it, it, so it just, it's an exit out for them to be their own man, to create their own thing. And at that point, they're totally my peer. I call them more for advice than they call me. That makes a lot of sense because if that, you said, cut the head off of it. If that wasn't done, they may wonder, even if it's in their subconscious the rest of their life, could they have done it on their own without you? Well, the reality, and we kind of got this uh, futurepreneur program, we walk through how kids do that. Uh, but uh, the, the reality is, is I did help hotwire it and start it and use my resources. And end of the day, after some guidance and them understanding the principles, they need to go do it and be their own man. I never want my sons to live in my shadow. I want them to outshine me a hundred times, and they, they have and they will. Can you touch on, before we wrap up real quick, the two years they spend uh, at 18? That I, I hadn't actually heard that before. So what does that look like? Well, they go serve. We, we call it a mission, and they'll learn another language, and they will just live very humbly and just purely in service of, of humanity for two years. And it, it's, wow. it's a hard one because they'll go off and they'll, they'll live, you know, pretty humbly. And so it's, a, it's just a beautiful practice that we put. And every one of my sons looked forward to it and did it. My youngest son right now, my oldest son went to uh, Japan. My second son went to Milano, Italy. My third son went to Mozambique. My fourth son went to Brazil. And my youngest son right now is in Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. I'd love to talk with one of them someday because oh. this is just so neat <laughs> yeah. that they got to see all of this happening. They're so blessed. And if, if you're listening to this and you're like, I wish that this was the family I was raised in. Cause that's what I'm thinking when I'm here. Like, man, 
you know, I wish we did some more of this when I was growing up. But here's the good news. You can create this for your family now. You are in a position, no matter how old you are, to be able to do that for your family. I have been so rewarded seeing what has been put in place. And quite frankly, some of the traditions, the rites of passage, so many people, their their modeling has actually been funner and even better than mine. So just putting this in place, it's just amazing how, how just the joy it brings and the unity it brings to the family just by getting even part of this frame quickly. So really uh, grateful that that I got to talk to your audience about this today. So where does someone go to get started and start to kind of get the uh, the dripping of this idea to 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 kind of get get started for their family? Well, if you want to go to the Legato family, that would be the place just legatofamily.com and the coupon code is James all capital and that will give you a 20% discount and it's very reasonable i think it's like $399 so it's very reasonable okay uh, wow. quite frankly to have put this together it cost me hundreds of thousands of dollars and so that's the first point is is the online program you can walk through that and model it and we do uh, also have uh, online assisted programs and then some some events but uh, we'd invite you just to go to legato family and become part of the legato uh, impact network if someone's listening to this and that three ninety nine is too much, more than you can swing right now, and I think with with twenty percent off, so grateful that you would do that. I think that brings it down to three twenty. There's someone listening to this that that'd be a stretch, but you're hearing this and you're going, God, I want this in my life. I want to do this for my family. Send me an email and I will pay for it for you because I believe in this and I think we do need more families to step up to the plate and create a strong family. And the, the, the reverberations of these families, I get goosebumps just thinking about what we're going to see from all these families as they come together with a true purpose. It's just amazing when families implement instant so the peace and the impact it has reverberating not just from their family but others. So I'm just so grateful, James, that you let me share this. And I'm, I'm excited to meet you and your tribe on a deeper level. And thank you so much for having me today. It's been an honor, and I'm really grateful for what you're doing. Thank you so much, James. Thanks for listening to this episode of The James Quandall Show. The show notes for this episode and other goodies can be found at quandall.com. Are you enjoying the show? If you are, please subscribe and leave a review. I may end up reading your review live on the next episode. Subscribing, leaving a review, and telling your friends about the show is the best way to support me and help the show grow. See you next time.